love the presence that I feel this morning, the walking in and the spirit of worship and the hunger for those who are in God's presence, wanting to touch Him, wanting to be ministered uh, to God and to minister to Him through their worship. I thank God I don't take it lightly to be able to be in His presence. As we know, there are a lot of people today that do not feel what we are feeling today. It is not a... Uh, something we should demand, but God allows us to feel Him. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I want to read a passage of Scripture, starting in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. I want to talk to us this morning, however God feels, to deal with us about the heartbeat of God, the heartbeat of of God. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech ye that you walk worthy of your vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, and even as ye are called, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. Before we're seated, can we please lift our hands and ask God to minister to each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence, to feel your spirit, God, as we reach for you, God, through song, God. Allow our hearts so also to follow in word, God. Let us reach for you, Master. We want to be spoken to, God. Minister to my heart. Minister to me, God. Change me. Mold me and make me, God, in your image. We ask you in Jesus' precious name. Amen, 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 amen. You may be seated. Ephesians chapter 4, I'll continue on to read. Pick it up in verse 13 says, until we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. God, he is telling us to be mature in the Word of God, proving it by Scripture, not just listening to man's words, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love. May grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of a body unto the edifying of itself in love. There towards the end of Scripture, we're talking about the unity of the body of Christ. I want to talk to us about the heartbeat of God. Unity. Unity understands the needs of the body. If the body does not understand its needs, the body is disjointed, going different directions. Have you seen anybody who has a disease that will not allow their coordination, their, their skills allow them to walk correctly because... There is a disease that is attacking 
the, the functions of the body that allows them to walk smoothly and fluidly across the floor. They have a disability, we call it. Sometimes um, when we read about it in the scriptures where God has touched somebody and created a limp, we find that in scripture. We also see where there's abnormalities in the body and someone can't lift their hands and they can't walk correctly and they can't jump and they have what we call a disability. We only think of the body being the parts which we see function and are used the most. When we say describe your body and write it down on a piece of paper, most people would start with their outward characteristics. Six foot three, not skinny, little heavy, blue eyes, brown hair, Caucasian. We begin to go down the list of things that we see. But God says the things that are on the inside are even more important than on the outside of the body. As we know, holiness starts on the inside. But I'm not here to talk to us about that. We also neglect to see that it is covered by a protective covering to keep the harmful impurities out and to keep that which is made clean still yet pure. We wash ourselves in our physical body. We get a cut, a wound, a puncture in our skin, and we cleanse it so it will heal itself and allow it to be pure and clean to keep out infection. The church is the same way. We have that protection. The unity is that protection. And I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail, as they say, but we are to look out for each other. This hand is wanting to keep this hand safe. If I'm doing something with this arm, and if this one's in danger, if I can't pull it back, this one is going to pull it back. If one foot has taken me to a place I'm going to stumble, the other one is going to compensate and allow me to come back to a place of safety. The body just doesn't. It doesn't have to be taught. Never once did I have to take a crash course on preserving this natural body. The human body takes care of itself. Unity in the church takes care of the body. It doesn't backbite. It doesn't run down. It doesn't destroy. It doesn't cut off. It finds an opportunity to find those around them that are in need and help them to become healed. There is power in the human body. And we can go through studies after studies, but you'll find that the human body has so much more power than we give it credit for. We say, oh, I've got to go see the doctor about this, but the body will take care of itself. There are the instances where you need the healing ability of medicine, but the body can heal itself. The cold, you go into the doctor's office, they say it's just a virus, the body will take care of itself. The skin of the body is amazing. I'm by no means an expert, but they say that one square inch of skin can be cultured and can be nourished along to create a layer of skin the size of a football field. It just grows and expands. That's why they take a small cell. When they do a graft and they're going to culture skin, and as I said, I'm no expert, but they take a cell of skin and they begin to put it in the right environment the right temperatures, the right solution along with it, and it begins to grow. The body has its way of protecting itself. The Word of God says that we are the body of Christ, and He is our protective source. And in Him we find all of our needs through salvation and through direction. I want to take us through a couple of examples before I jump into the main part of today's lesson message 
It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, actually I think it may be, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto the babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. We see the scriptures where it's talking about people being immature. He cannot give them the full word of God. He has to, as we see in our natural children, we water it down. And our children, they think that they're getting a big bottle of juice. But my wife will tell you, it's just most of it's water and there's just a little bit of juice in there. We water it down so they can handle it. And nor would I want all my children having a full bottle of juice that's full of sugar and me having to deal with them. I would soon see water in that bottle than anything. I'll change a wet diaper versus pull my hair out. But we also see in Scripture that it's because of the carnal divided state of Corinth that he was obligated to treat them as children. We around here are spoiled with the depth and the knowledge of the Word of God. I see that we are not as children, but God trusts us with His Word. But we also have to be mindful of those that come in and sit next to us that are new to living a good, godly life and living according to the Word of God. We can't shun them and say, oh, it's just too deep for you. You need to grab them by the hand and say, listen, come on out here. These waters are to swim in. This is where the real fruit of the Spirit is added. We'll teach you how to become a Christian. and This Word will guide you and lead you in all truths and paths of righteousness. Acts chapter 4 and verse 32, I'm just going to take just one scripture out of this. And it says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. Now I don't see the church acting in this way today and um, it probably hasn't done this in some time, but you'll see where they took all their possessions and they sold them to care for everybody. So everybody was equal. You'll see that they weren't saying, Brother Jared, this is mine, but they were saying it is ours. What has been given to us is not mine to hoard away, but it's for everybody to use. All things common, a common area, a vestibule, a foyer. It's a, it's a way for everybody to come in and out of the house of God. All things common. This Word of God is common for everybody. Not that it's just ordinary, but it's common that anybody can walk in and have a part of it. Anybody can find refuge in it. It's common for us all. Now, if you read through the Scripture in some of the manuscripts, you'll find that it says, in one of the manuscripts, it says there was no kind of difference or dissension among them. No kind of difference or dissension among them. And I ask us today, does the same definition apply to new life? We must all fall under the Word of God. By no means am I saying we are perfect. But God wants us to act like Christians. He wants us to conduct ourselves like Christians. And even if you're not in the house of God today, or, or if you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost, God still has expectations. He still has a way He wants you to walk with Him. He still has a way that you should conduct yourself. God has expectations. We find that what is a friend, and there is a man who was talking to Aristotle, and Aristotle asked this man, what 
He is a friend. Now I have friends in my life. I have acquaintances. I have family members. But I also have those that are, I consider, my closest friends. Friends that know things about me that no one else knows. Friends that I can call in a moment and they're on their knees praying. Friends that I can call and I don't have to say, now don't tell nobody else. It's a given. Friends that I can say, listen, I need you to pray. And it's not say, all right, I will. And they're never on bended knee. It's just emotion. That's a true friend. We find that same friend in a pastor, in the ministry, in saints of God around us. Otherwise, why would we ask for, hey, I need prayer? Because we know the body is going to come together and pray. It's going to be there for each and every one of us. The body responds to the need within it. When fever hits a body, it doesn't just hit one part of the body, but you feel it. You're saying, I'm not feeling well. Now, infection, when it hits one part, you'll feel it and you'll feel a warmth and the heat on it. But the body knows something is not right. But the man who made the statement, he says, what is a friend? He said, it is one soul dwelling in two bodies. One soul dwelling in two bodies. We have the opportunity to help each other along the way. We have the opportunity to help someone into the kingdom of God. It's unique that you find these parallels in things in Scripture. But I was doing some research, and it's just my way, and I'm just weird. I'll admit it. I'm, I'm just weird. I'm different. But I was looking at ramen noodles, and that's just poor man's noodles. That's just... Uh, you get them for however many. When they say five or six for a dollar, I promise you, it's not a cuisine. It's just put them in boiling water, let them soak. You remove the lid if you want from the cup of a styrofoam cup, fill it with water, and you have an instant meal. But the little brick of ramen noodles, it's amazing what you can learn from something so small. That brick of noodles, and we take it and we, you can crush it in the package and pour it out in a bowl. Or you can let it soak in there and you cut it up. But did you know that that one little small piece of noodles is when you get to certain kinds, they stretch for over 170 feet as one noodle. One noodle. And can you imagine when you're sitting there eating that? I'm eating 170 feet of noodles. You don't think of it that way. We could break it down into over 2,000 inches of noodles. And you're sitting there saying, my word, I, I could never eat that much. If I was to ask you how many noodles you think you could eat, but that one thing is unified. It represents the whole. It represents a meal for the hungry. It provides as being one. It doesn't say, you know what, we can't be here with these and I'm a different type and, you know, I'm curly and this one's straight. No, it represents the whole. One block of noodles. To feel the heartbeat of someone is to know the most intimate places to be. The heartbeat is associated with life. As mothers have children, they go in for the visit trying to find that heartbeat and you've just the renewal of life. You say, there it is. And the doctor shows you on the sonogram and the joy. And I've been there and, and it's just amazing. And just, you know, just in all, just by one simple heartbeat. But it can change to more than just awe. It can change to pure panic when you find more than one heartbeat. And the joy, you just speechless. You're like, dear God, 
What are we doing now? We were prepared for one. Double everything. It's no longer just one. But the joy of finding a heartbeat. Now I can tell you today, not one person, even though we have this one thing in common, we all have a heart. I've often accused my boss of not having a heart and never die of a heart attack, never has feelings. We could chill water on his chest, um, but he has a heart. We all have a heart in this room today. But very few of you know what my heartbeat is. No one can say, oh, I, I know Brother Golf's heartbeat. I've, I've felt it. Because my wife is the only one who knows my heartbeat. My children, when I pick them up and they lay on my chest and I tell them how much I love them, they know my heartbeat. They feel Daddy's love towards them. But it's a rare thing. It's not something you throw away. Some people throw them away. And we have names for them of people who do that. But God says, I want you to feel my heartbeat. Before I jump into my main passage of scripture, I want to tell you I was doing some research on the heartbeat and the importance of it. And I have a couple of unique stories. You may have heard them, um, but just take them for what they're worth. In heart transplants, it's a major, major thing that happens in the body. It's not outpatient. You don't walk in one day with your heart defective and walk out with another person's heart saying, I'm all right, let's go play tennis. So I was doing some research on heart transplants. And there's some researchers that say that the molecular level and the memory of tissue retains characteristics of its original body. And I was reading through several stories, and this doctor says, listen, I can only tell the stories. I can only show the research that I have conducted. But he said that there was this little girl that had a heart transplant from another girl. And this other girl had died. They didn't know. Obviously, she had passed, and they had had an organ available to her. And this little girl received this heart, began to go through therapy with the physical part, making sure that it was not rejected. But in that part, they also had a therapist that was talking to her, saying, hey, how you doing? How's your body reacting? How are you feeling? And this go on for weeks. And finally, she began to say, you know what? I, there's something i got to tell you. I begin to have these horrific dreams. And it just scares me so bad. And the parents were at the point of concern, saying this is not right. This is not normal. And so she said, all right, I want you to describe your dreams. And as she begins to describe her dreams, the therapist says, listen, there's, there's something else going on here tonight. We need to get the doctors involved. And so they get in and they listen to the story. And they said, all right, normally it's all anonymous, but we'll do some research on our part. And we'll find out what is going on, the backstory by the donor, what was going on and how they passed. And as they begin to do some research, they find out that this little girl had been murdered. And it was an unsolved case. And this girl that had received the heart began to have these dreams, and she began to describe people and details and information about what this dream portrayed. And they took her statement and began to show it to parents, and it literally described in detail a friend of the family that had come to live, and they had no suspicions. And this person actually admitted that I had killed your daughter just by the simple statement and it went to a Texas court and was used as evidence. Some things, take it for what it's worth, some things may be stored in what we consider our heart. 
The Bible gives us over 100 scriptures that talk about the heart and the importance of it. Create within me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Talking about God, make me new, refresh me, know my heart. Those who have a pure heart can see God. We go through all these scriptures. I ran across another one with the same researcher. He said there was a lady who had received a heart transplant. And it was unique because most of the time, as I said, it's anonymous. Well, the donor had said, you know, I have no problem with my family meeting whoever. And most of the time, the people wanted to express their gratitude. Thank you for passing on a part of your son or daughter, your husband, your wife, to have life for me. It's mostly gratitude. And the recipient says, listen, I would really like for this to happen. And they, the doctor said, you know, it's not normal. Most of the time, people don't want to, but they are the cases that they will. I'll reach out. So the mother of the uh, donor had said, listen, I'll, I'll meet this lady. I have no problem with that. And she began to talk to the doctors and do some um, pre-screening, if you will, expressing some concern, the things she wanted to talk about. And the doctor says, listen, this is normally very emotional. I would recommend that you stay away from some of those details, but if they bring it up, by all means, talk about them. So she said, okay. She said, uh, I'll talk to them. So they're sitting there in the waiting room of this hospital and just waiting and waiting. And the time comes, I believe it was 9 o'clock, and they're sitting there waiting, and this lady does not show up. And it's the, I'm sorry, it's the mother of the donor was sitting there, and she's like, this lady's never going to show up. It's a very emotional deal. And so the doctor's saying, listen, she said she wants to talk to you and tell you how thankful she is. Let's just wait. Time went on. They waited 15 more minutes. No one showed. The doctor says, listen, if you want to leave, you can. I understand. You're sitting here, uh, and a part of your family member is wanting to come talk to you and, and talk to you about this. And she says, you know what? Something's different. I feel like I just need to wait. And she just said those words, and the person walked in the door. And they began to talk and say these things. And, and uh, it was unique. It's a funny story. And, and so this lady says, I want to tell you some things that changed about me whenever I got my heart transplant. She said, I never once have I been a fan for Mexican food. First thing I did is I wanted a big plate of Mexican food. And she says, I am a huge fan and I love Mexican food to this day. She says, now all of a sudden, I love listening to 70s rock and roll music. I hated it. It was just something I just didn't care for. And she begins to go on down the list of things. She's like, I just don't understand this, but I'm so appreciative for your family of giving. She says, I'm a single mother, and I'm here with my son, and, and it's kind of difficult and things. And she says, a lot of what husband and wives argue in the relationship is sometimes stressed of living with each other. And we get in these arguments and all of a sudden I'm coming up with these different catchphrases and in the middle of our arguments. And the, the donor's wife has said, you know, what were some of those? And she began to list them. She says, those are the exact words that my husband used to say in the middle of our arguments and point these things out to me. I say all that to say this. When we get a new heart, we better change our appetite. We better change the way we talk, the way we walk, the way we conduct ourselves. We better take on the characteristics of the donor. We better take on the characteristics of the one who cleansed us, made us pure. The one who gave us this opportunity to say, God, I'm clean. You forgave me. 
I want to reach out to him and thank him. When Brother Brandon was talking about lifting everything up to God, and as the songs we sang were so beautiful this morning, and touching me and, and saying, God, I want to worship you, that was me, my natural response to my Heavenly Father, the donor who gave me life, telling him, God, I thank you. If it doesn't exist, if that reaction isn't when you walk in the presence of God, to say, God, I love you today, we better check who gave us our heart. You could be deceived by emotions. You think, I'll just go through the motions of church. But God says true repentance bringeth about true joy and true faith and true substance inside your life when you say, God, thank you so much for saving me. Where your testimony is more than words, but it's someone saying, listen, I used to talk a different way, but now I'm changed. I used to like to eat the things of this world, but I feast on heavenly manna. I used to conduct my way, and it wasn't right, but God set my feet on a narrow path. And he says, walk therein. The power, the heartbeat, it's life. We find that the husband and wife's relationship is to function as one, assisting each other to succeed and to grow in Christ. That's the whole function of the body of Christ, allowing each and every one of us to grow in Him. Never once should we stand up and say, oh, this message was just for me. We may feel that way, but I promise you, God touches each and every one of us in the services. We can say, oh, the message was so beautiful. Surely I was the only one, but I promise you, God has a way of dealing with all the needs in the house of God. I promise you this is uh, something that you will grow to fall in love with. We find that something I like about God, and, and, and it's unique to only Him. He will never force Himself on you. You have to say, God, here I am. The devil, on the other hand, will force himself on you. It's all about his needs, his wants. It all comes down to selfish, little old him. But God says, it's just me and you. I want to touch you. Now I want us to get into, and I promise not to be much longer, but I want to talk to us before I finish today. John chapter 13. Verse 18, and I promise this is not mind-blowing, this is by no means massive revolution, revelation, but I just want to talk to us about John chapter 13. Verse 18, I'm sorry. We'll read through this. It says, I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it come to pass, you may believe that I am he. And verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whosoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now, 
Verse 23 says something very, very interesting. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him, beckoned to him whom was laying on Jesus' bosom, that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. So Simon Peter is inquiring the person laying on the bosom of Jesus, who's he speaking of? And then he, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus said, He it is to whom I shall give his sop, and when I have dipped it, and when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now this passage of Scripture, we've read it, or songs, stories, scriptures, messages on end. Maybe it's just me. But when Jesus done the whole transaction of saying, I'm giving the sop to someone, you read on down, they didn't all know what was transpiring. Only the person laying on Jesus' breast knew, I'm going to give them the sop, and this is who is going to betray me. Read on down. And after the sop, Satan entered into him, and then said Jesus unto him, Thou doest, do quickly. That thou doest, do quickly. And no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag that Jesus said unto him, Buy these things, which we have need of against the feast, or he that should give something to the poor. They had no idea. Judas was the man. Only the person that was close to Jesus. He didn't say he was sitting across the table. But they said he was in an intimate position laying on the breast of Jesus. Somebody had an appetite for the heartbeat of God. Then he, having received the sob, went immediately out, and it was night. That person is John. John being one of the three most intimate associates with Jesus. We find that there are benefits with being close to God. You're holding them in your hands. John 1, John 2, John 3. It didn't stop there. But that John, by being close to Jesus, being one of those of whom he loved, received the revelation of Jesus Christ and wrote the book of Revelations. There's benefits to being close to God. We read the story and we, we just, just glance over it. We think, oh, everything is, is all right. And, and, and he stood up and said, it is he whom I give the sop. But it was, he said, listen, it's whoever I give the sop to. He's the one. He then turns and hands it to him. And he says, in awe of watching everything unfold. Everybody else was confused. Well, maybe Judas is going to run out. And maybe he's going to go buy some things. Maybe he's going to give since he has the, the bag of money. Maybe he's going to give it to the poor and, and distribute some things. But he had just betrayed the master right in front of him. He had just been identified. Jeez, John was the disciple that Jesus referred to when he says the disciple whom Jesus loved. John heard the heartbeat of God. 
when you leave a service and allow yourself to succumb to the worldly things, you are spiritually cheating on God. We being filled with the Holy Ghost are a part of the bride of Christ. We're not a part of the harlot of this world. There is dangers in courting unfamiliar heartbeats in this world. There are dangers of saying, no one else is around and I'll just be all right. God wants you to feel His heartbeat and His heartbeat only. When you walk in the presence of God, you identify and you say, that's my master. Not, what's this all about? This is so weird and what's going on here? But you should identify and say, listen, this is what I'm supposed to be in. This is what I'm a part of. This is the body that receives me and says I am one of my own because... I feel a heartbeat. His blood runs through these veins. The body receives him and he says, listen, I don't have to be shocked to be brought to life. But he breathed the breath of life into me. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. He changed me. He purified my spirit. He forgave me. Just a few more minutes. The church, the living God, should have one heartbeat. We shouldn't have a heart murmur. We shouldn't have a defect. If we do, it's sitting on the pew next to you. It's got to be within the body of Christ that we all function and operate as one. We all lift our hands and it's all about Him, not about us. Sometimes, and I don't want to step my, overstep my lines here, but sometimes it's easy for us as a saint to sit in a pew and try to figure out what the heartbeat of everybody else is around us and try to get in everybody else's business and he needs to worship and they need to take their kid out and you need to worry about your soul in the service. You need to worry about your response to your master. You don't need to be worried about do they have a Bible? There's one in front of them. Do they have a psalm book? There's one in front of them. Do they need to go sit in the back? No, they're fine where they're at. Do they need to come up and pray? God will speak to the heart or speak to someone to bring you up front. You worry about you and God will take care of the rest. You worry about you feeling the heartbeat of God. You worry about creating the atmosphere for someone to feel His presence. There shouldn't be an abnormality of someone trying to feel out the pastor from the pews. It should all be in unison. God, we worship you. We magnify you. God, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. All that is within me should worship Him. There is power in knowing the right heartbeat in a service. Your testimony becomes real. The scriptures you read leap off the page. But when you don't feel it and you're saying, ah, this is not for me, and that message was for somebody else, you're denying the heartbeat of God. God wants you to feel Him. That is the only reason we feel God. He wants us to. It's because Him not saying, oh, well, there are Filthy, rank sinner. But it's God reaching down and grabbing your hand and saying, I want you to feel something. I feel my heart. God says, listen, I love you. I want you to feel me. That's what conviction is. Feeling the heart of God. That's what the emotion of worshiping Him is. Feeling the heartbeat of God. It's drawing us to a place of repentance. 
It draws us to a deeper walk with him, Brother Brandon. It never pushes us away, but it says, Come, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You musicians, please come. Can we stand and lift our hands? Let's talk to him. Let's ask God. Allow me, God, to feel your heartbeat again. We sing the songs and the messages come forth. God, change me. Create within me a clean heart, O God. Renew that right spirit within me. God, I want to be pulled to you. God, I don't care how long I've been in church. I must feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost. I must feel your spirit. God, I must be changed by you. It's all about him and nothing about us. It's all about our worship and him reaching down and touching us. We must touch the master. Hallelujah. Let's talk to him. God, we love you, Jesus.